dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Leaders are caught between two worlds. On the one hand, it seems like our faith wants us to be meek and humble. On the other hand, the challenges we face require us to be courageous and bold. How do we find the balance between these two? St. Peter had to face the same challenges. Let's see how he met them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice at his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, you know, we've got a challenge in front of us. We, we need to find a way that few leaders seem to really be able to find, especially Christian leaders. Uh, when I look in the, the, the world of successful, you know, Fortune 500 uh, companies and their CEOs and their lifestyles, it kind of seems like it, like the success belongs to those who are brazen and bold and willing to do anything for it. One time I was talking to a fellow, a friend of mine who, who told me a, this, a story about the time he got to meet a billionaire. And my friend had really wanted to sit down and be with that, that billionaire so he could ask him how he himself could become a billionaire. And so he was invited up to meet the billionaire and he got up into his apartment and, and he said, what can I do for you? And my friend said, well, I, I'd like to become a billionaire and I'd like to ask you to show me how. And the man said, well, being a billionaire is easy. There's just five steps to it. And he took him over to the window and he said, look out that window. And he looked, it was in Chicago and he looked at all the people walking along the sidewalks. And, his, and the, the man said to him, you know, how many of those people there do you think really want to be a billionaire? And my friend said, well, you know, a, a lot of them. You know, I bet everybody would, as a matter of fact. And the fellow said, nope, you're wrong. He said, none of them want to be. He said, what do you mean? And the billionaire replied, to be a billionaire, the first rule is very simple. You have to be willing to buy the ticket. My friend looked at him for a few seconds, silent. And then it started clicking in his mind. All that this man in front of him had given up in order to have money. You know, the man has been, lost two or three marriages, doesn't have any children, has lived his life for his work. And he thought to himself, am I willing to buy the ticket? Well, he, he kept on going with the interview and 
The fifth of the, of the five rules for how to be a billionaire was very simple. The billionaire looked at him and said, the fifth and final law is that you have to be willing to be ruthless. Ruthless. You have to be willing to be ruthless. And my friend realized, you know, at that point, you know, is it proper? Is, is that something that you can do as a Christian? You know, because it, maybe that's the truth. Maybe if you're willing to buy the ticket and pay the price with respect to your family, you got a shot at it. And then if you're willing to be ruthless towards your comp competition, maybe towards some employees, maybe it's towards friends that help you. I don't know, you know, to whom that would all, but if you're willing to be, to do that, maybe you can be a billionaire. My friend told me that it was at that moment he realized that that's really not what he wanted. And, you know, it's just so funny because you almost have to swallow your pride, right? Because if anybody could say, oh, no, I'm going to be a billionaire, you know, you'd say, wow, you must be a great man. And, and that's very tempting for us to be recognized as being a great man by everybody for the rest of our life. But what if, in fact, you're recognized in people's eyes as being a great man for the wrong reasons? And in fact... Greatness of a person doesn't come from how much money they have. What if, what if in fact, that whole setup is wrong? Yeah. But then, then on the other hand, you look at that and you say, well, I mean, that is the way that it is. And I want to be successful. So maybe I don't have to be a billionaire, but I would certainly like to be a millionaire, <laughs> you know, or, or at least like, you know, be, 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 be secure and have a good legacy to pass on to charities and to nonprofits and to my family and all that. Okay, so if that's your goal and then you look at that, you say, well, that at least is going to require from me, if I'm maybe not ruthless, but that I be brazen, tough, over the top, that I be willing to sacrifice and, and dare great things. And that requires for me an incredible amount of confidence, right? I mean, you, you don't get to do the incredible things in life unless you have a solid sense of who you are and what you're for and what you're made of. You, you will not try to bring great things into your own life if you don't think that you are someone worthy of great things. This is where the whole riddle of self-esteem comes from. In order to gain self-esteem, you have to have a little bit of it. <laughs> if you don't have any self-esteem, you'll never gain it. Right? Because you'll never see yourself as being worthy of anything. And so the way that we're loved when we're little obviously has a lot to deal with how great we strive for when we are grown up. And, and as you go through that scenario, you end up saying that the confidence of the leader is the source of one of the key sources of his success. And then what are we to do with our faith? Because on the other hand, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, whom we serve, he came saying that he came to serve the rest. And he put a cloth around his waist and he washed the feet of his disciples. And he taught them and served the crowds with great gentleness, also great strength. And, and, and there was definitely times where Christ, you know, pulled the King of kings and Lord of lords card you know, they tried to arrest him three times. He walks right through their midst, etc. But by and large, he gives us an example of leadership that also is very meek. 
And when you follow in his footsteps, it's not just following his examples, but you're also saying that everything that we do comes from him. It's from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1. God in whom we live and move and have our being. It's, it's by his grace that we who are sinners and broken people dare to stand. And so there's this tendency in Christianity to constantly downplay ourselves in order to focus on him. How do I find the balance between those? What do I do? Because I'm caught right between these two worlds. If I downplay myself, then I might never be the, the strong leader that I need to be. And if I upplay myself, so to speak, and I, I emphasize my role, I might be taking the glory and to a mere instrument that belongs instead to the one who created us and redeemed us by his blood. How do I strike that balance point? And I think that here, St. Peter actually really gives us a, an incredible instruction in the Acts of the Apostles. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. When we look at the Acts of the Apostles, we see St. Peter really exercising his role as the leader of the church. And therefore, when we think leader of the church, I mean leader of an entrepreneurial venture, really. You know, when you, when you look at for an analogy, you don't find any. And one day, Peter went from 12 disciples to 3,000 in the course of a single day the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down upon They grew from 12 to 3,000. Shortly thereafter, another 5,000. He was up over 10,000 Christians in a very short time. And there was absolutely no infrastructure, no community basis. No, they had to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow. But he was in a startup environment, you know, like of unbelievable proportions, going from zero right to three thousand in one day and then to go from that and to try to find all of the ways that they were supposed to operate do we give food to widows yes or no do we give the same amount of food to the jewish uh, the widows of jewish converts as we give to the widows that have some sort of you know i don't know other other type of scenario going on do we help children do we not uh, what do we do with respect to this? Or, all of the different questions concerning money, concerning distribution of food, and then concerning the faith itself. What does God require of us? Had to be figured out from the ground up. We take it for granted way too easily, you know, what, who we are and what we do as, as Catholics today, but we're standing on a tradition that Peter did not have. How are we supposed to pray? What do we do with miracles? How do we discern between what the Holy Spirit is doing and what looks like the Holy Spirit, but that's not? And Peter had to stride boldly into that scenario and actually make decisions. Now look from right at the beginning, right? Acts 1. Well, you've got an empty seat, Judas, Iscariot, the betrayer. Who's going to fill Judas's seat? Well, Peter steps forward and says somebody has to. Well, you know, this makes me feel so um, valued and understood when I see Peter in this environment. Because, you know, when you're founding a nonprofit or you're founding a business, 
you have this vision that other people don't seem to be able to grasp as easily as you. And whenever there's a turning point of any kind of decision in the organization, it always seems to come back up. It comes to the top. Why? Because people don't know what the standard course is. And the frustration, of course, for us as leaders is that I look around and say, well, we don't know either. You know, why, why are you all turning to me and asking me, well, can't you figure it out? And they can, but they just won't do it necessarily right. And so you end up with this scenario of, of the beleaguered leader who just has to have competencies that he never thought he had to begin with. His back is constantly against the wall. Decisions have to be made that have long-term consequences in areas and fields that he never thought that he would have to navigate, but you have to do it and you have to do it right then, just like St. Peter. Now, what's going to get you through that? What's going to enable you to succeed there? It's when you dig, dig down and you say, I'm able to do this. If for a moment your self-confidence erodes, well, then you choke, you know, really. Um, you, you, you don't know how to deliver something. You will fail because of your own mental blockage telling you that you're going to fail. If you have, on the contrary, confidence that says, I have what it takes to figure this out. Well, then you'll roll up your sleeves like the good leader you are and you're going to make it happen. But it won't be without pain and it won't be without a price. And this is exactly what St. Peter had to face all the time. Not only does he say that, yes, we have to fulfill fill, um, the shoes of Judas, but then he has to come up with how in the world they're going to fill those shoes. Well, we're going to do it by drawing lots. You know, well, you know, here's how we go. And he just keeps on developing the same scenario. He goes from there into preaching at Pentecost and hearing the, you know, the gift of tongues into baptizing 3,000 people in one day. And then from there, and look at, look at uh, Acts uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Well, there's the three elements of the church that just, how did he know how to lead them? Maybe he didn't. But his confidence, the confidence that he had that he could do it, allowed him and even forced him, of course, to actually finding the solutions that the church needed at that time. If he didn't have that confidence, he couldn't do it. Where did it come from? You know, and, and I could keep going right on through there, right? So they have to do, they have to live together. Then he heals a crippled beggar. And before you know it, his life is in jeopardy. He's in jail. All of a sudden, he's in jail. And then after that, you know, he goes back into jail a second time. Miracles start happening. The apostles are healing people. His very shadow. Look at the Acts 5, verse 15. People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Well, is he supposed to allow that to happen or should he hide himself, right? I mean, like if, if people were being cured when you walked by, just by your shadow, what would you do? Would you say, yes, let this continue? How would you know? That it's not some sort of, you know, I don't know, trick to make you think that you're the Messiah instead of Jesus. How did Peter know? That doesn't say. It just said that he kept going. I mean, Stephen, of course, then is put to death. So is James. He loses two of his people. He's got 
Simon the sorcerer who comes up out of nowhere. Uh, he has got to decide whether or not he's going to baptize the Gentiles, which is kind of big because the Gentiles, everybody in the world who's not Jewish. <laughs> kind of a big decision, and it comes to him, you know? He's got to decide if he's going to take in St. Paul and forgive him or if he's not. And look at the consequences of these decisions. Will you take St. Paul in and forgive him or not? It's kind of a big deal because St. Paul ends up basically baptizing the whole rest of the world. But he could have been wrong. What if he had taken St. Paul in and something bad had happened? You know, what if he didn't have the confidence to lead? And, and you will find yourselves in the same scenario. What if you don't have the confidence to lead? How do I gain that confidence? If I have the confidence, well, then I will apply my strengths and the resources that are around me to solve the problems that are in front of me, and I'll do it again and again and again and again. Our, our problem isn't that we don't desire to do good. Our problem is whether or not we know that we're going to have the strength to do that good to make those decisions, to make that strategic plan, to execute on what was in front of us, to have that difficult conversation. If I can have, build up my confidence, I can build up, well, my ability to succeed, right? You, be very attentive to where you're at with your own self-esteem, my friends, because Peter must have had quite a good self-esteem to be able to do all that he did. He even got corrected by St. Paul right in front of everybody else. It says that in Galatians chapter 2, where St. Paul takes him out. He gets corrected by one of the people underneath him in front of the other followers, and he has to take it. Not only has, he has to justify in front of all of the leaders in Jerusalem the leadership decision he makes in Acts chapter 12 when he converts Cornelius. And then he goes back and then he has to convince all of his followers that he did the right thing. He has to convince them again when St. Paul comes back in. After Peter had sent him out to convert the Gentiles, Paul comes back in and he's, Peter's got a fight in his hands, Acts chapter 15. There's, there's these critical moments where leadership is really required and where Peter does not fail. He steps into the breach. Why? Because deep inside, he knows who he is and whose he is. And that makes all the difference. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, so we know that Simon Peter needs to have a great sense of self-esteem, self-worth, needs to have a great understanding, therefore, of like where he's, who he is and whose he is. But how did he get there? Well, first, when you look at who he was as Simon Peter, he must have had a good family life. We know that he was married because it mentions his mother-in-law. We know that he was living in a successful business in Capernaum, he had employees underneath him, business partners, business transactions. He had capital. He had investments made. He had, you know, this was a person who was obviously a proven leader. He, otherwise, he never would have been able to sustain a business with that level of employees. It would have said that Simon Peter worked for Bill, you know, the, the owner. But this was Simon Peter who's actually working there himself, you know, strong and confident. 
And that's partly what must have attracted Christ to making him the actual leader of the church. And his leadership was also never questioned. So he probably had the natural air about him of a success, right? And that, where does that come from? I mean, obviously it's got to come from, you know, mostly from his family and his upbringing. Also, obviously his religiosity had a lot to do with that. But I think we can probe even deeper and say that his strength came from the knowledge he had of his weakness. I want you to really, really think about this. A, a person will be strongest the moment they realize where they are weakest. And the reason being is that knowing where you are weakest, you're able, number one, not to fall into that weakness, and number two, to take precautions to mitigate that weakness. The, word, the one that's really dangerous is the one that doesn't think that they're weak, doesn't know where they're weak. Once you've fallen in life a couple times or been nailed by, by different circumstances in life to, in situations that you could have controlled, should have controlled, maybe would have controlled, but that you didn't control, you suddenly realize this is where actually I'm vulnerable. This is how I got into that situation. You know, you go through a divorce, sad as that is. And yet, and yet going through the divorce humbles you. And you realize, you know what? I actually am not the cat's meow. I actually have a lot of other things going on in my life that I need to take care of. And the next time that I get married, I'm going to make sure I do it right. right. And the next time that I start that startup, I know now how I, I need to do it. It's through my failures that I learn how to succeed. It's through knowledge of my weaknesses that I learn how to be truly strong. And St. Peter definitely had the experience of his weakness. He was a man who came through not in flying colors, but with the wisdom of knowing everywhere he fell short. The Lord corrects him. He goes and tells Jesus Christ not to go to the cross. Well, that's the last time anyone does that, right? Lord, Lord do not speak in this way. And, and Jesus says, Simon Peter, you are thinking not as God does, but as men do. Boom. Get behind me, Satan, he says. Puts him right back in his place. And Peter allows that. He realizes, gosh, I must have spoken out of turn there. <laughs> it's a good thing that Peter can roll with the punches. Because in the end, the fact that he was the one who promised our Lord, looking him in the eye, that he would never deny him right before denying him three times because of the accusations of a slave girl. This same Peter is because of that, that having touched his lowness and the height of Christ's mercy towards him. When Jesus Christ sends Peter on a mission, Peter realizes it's not about him. His confidence and his self-esteem aren't all about his glory. They're at the service of the sheep of Christ and the glorification of that great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus himself. And maybe this is where the balance comes in. You see, because if you have enough love for the Lord, enough love for your God, well, then your greatness is not an obstacle. On the contrary, your greatness becomes a testimony to the greatness of the one who is calling you and drawing you and inspiring you. People will look at you and say, that fellow never stops. He just keeps on going and going and going. And when they ask you why, you can say, because Jesus Christ died for me. That's why. Because my God made me with these gifts. That's why. 
because I want to make the world the best place with all the time I've got inside of me. There's something bigger than me. The problem is not, in other words, having self-esteem. It's when your self-esteem doesn't have a purpose. If you are the purpose of your self-esteem, well then, yeah, congratulations. You know, you're really great. But that doesn't do us any better. It doesn't help us at all. And that's what can actually be dangerous because you can just suck the whole world into you and your projects, your plans, your desires. It's all about you instead of being all about him or all about someone else. Jesus comes to the earth to summon us to service. And that service hides us and keeps us meek. Because if I, on the one hand, if I have to develop myself like St. Peter to be able to make these big decisions, I mean, Ananias and Sapphira fall dead at his feet. And you don't see Peter like suddenly saying, oh my gosh, like I don't know what to do. He actually warns Sapphira, hey, listen, you know, <laughs> your husband has lied to us and he's already dead. And she, boom, she falls over dead too. And, and, and I mean, like this is a man who's full of confidence. And in that Acts of the Apostles, you find this example, this person, this confidence, though, who at the same time is safe. Because while confident and bold in his leadership, he's also confident and bold with the full knowledge that it all comes from Jesus. I think that the more that we strive to apply our greatness to this world, the humbler we really become the more we realize that we really can't do the things that we need to be able to do. Try being a parent sometime, right? It's the easiest way to, be, to become convinced of your littleness is when you're holding that baby and trying to balance the second while the third is playing on the floor, right? Like it just can overwhelm you. The lack of patience, the anxiety, the stress, the difficulties, the relationship. I mean like, and you just say, I don't even know how I can do this exactly. That's great humility, and it becomes only from the fact that you tried. Back when you were a single, you thought, hey, no problem. I can do this all day long. I can't wait. And then when you get the chance, you say, this indeed is the hardest thing I've ever done. Because it is. And at the same time, when you really love, and to the degree that you really love, and that you're truly humble in the presence of the greatness of Christ, the more that you pour yourself out in your greatness and service on others, the two feed each other. Simon Peter's lowliness in front of the redemption made him serve Christ wholeheartedly. And in that service, hide himself behind the Savior even more. This is the lesson. It's all about love and letting love drive us forth from humility to greatness and back into humility again. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.